0: Let's start with the point that everyone wants to achieve success. That that's our goal. So, we say, I want to be a success. Uh, it's a very abstract term. So, people go out and they try to achieve success. But what in the world does that mean? People largely don't have a clear idea of what it means. It's an ideal that we we never ground in any kind of actual reality. So you go after it, you try to achieve success. You know, an individual may um, become rich, famous, popular, um, have a nice family, and have wonderful house. You know, and all if you whatever it is, and have all these achievements, and yet. You never really know, well, when is it that I've achieved this goal of success? And 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 not knowing leaves you feeling kind of empty. It's like, I, I still don't know that I've achieved it. Three, two, one. Welcome to the Mind for Life podcast. The Mind for Life podcast. Where your thinking
1: can change your life. And now... Here's your host, Jeff Bogazic. What's up, everybody? Welcome once again to the Mind for Life podcast. My name is Jeff Bogazic, and I will be your host here today where we talk about how transforming your thinking can transform your life. Today on the program, IFD disease how general semantics can help you to think better about success and also how to motivate yourself to accomplish things you never thought you could. We have a special guest and a great show, but before we get around to that, let me say a couple of things. First of all, I want to encourage you to stick around to the end where I give my top learning moments, my top lessons from my talk today with our special guest. And let me just say this, there are some gold nuggets of wisdom in here, and you will appreciate that. Uh, So stick around to the end. Also, the show notes for this program, including all of the links and timestamps to everything that our guest talks about on the program, will be located at mindforlife.org forward slash 022. So if you'd like to access those, you can. And let me say a quick word about our sponsor. Our show sponsor today is Bluehost.com. Bluehost is a leading web solutions services provider. They were founded in 2003 and they have continually innovated new ways to deliver on their mission, which is to empower people to fully harness the web. They provide comprehensive tools to millions of users, including us here at Mind for Life and others around the world. So anyone, whether you are a novice or a pro, can get on the web and thrive. We love their product here at Mind for Life. As I mentioned, they host our website, and I would encourage you to take a look at them if you are interested in starting a blog, podcast, or or a website. Bluehost is your solution. Now, let me introduce you to our very special guest. His name is Dr. Lance Strait, and we are so excited to have him on the program. He's a professor of communication and media studies at Fordham University in New York City. He is the author of several books, including a recently published one called Media Ecology, An Approach to Understanding the Human Condition, and also a poetry collection called Thunder at Darwin Station. You can check those out, and we'll have links to those on the show notes. He's the president of the New York Society for General Semantics, a trustee of the Institute of General Semantics. He is the founder and past president of the Media Ecology Association and the editor of its journal, Explorations in Media Ecology. He's also the president of Congregation Ades Amuno, which is a reform synagogue in Leonia, New Jersey. He's also been given an honorary appointment as chair professor at Henan University in, I hope I'm saying this right, Kaifeng, China. And he held the Heron Family Chair in Communication at Villanova for the 2015 2016 school year. He has written dozens of articles in scholarly journals and, as I mentioned, several books. And we are so excited to have him. He is the go to authority for news outlets and publications when it comes to media studies. And Lance, it's great to have you on the program. Thanks for being here with us today.
0: Thank you, Jeff
1: um so for our listeners if you i just read through your bio but if you could explain to them a little bit about your areas of expertise uh when it comes to media ecology and general semantics and what that's all about and then we can kind of move forward from there
0: well i'll start with media ecology and uh I often like to begin with Marshall McLuhan's famous aphorism, the medium is the message. But the way that I would uh, kind of sum it up is the idea that it's about the way that we do things, the question of how, and that the way that we do things has much to do with what we end up doing. And the way that we do things has much to do with what we end up with when we do the things we do and the way that we do things is much to end much to do with what we end up becoming by doing what we do and ending up with what we end up. It's how, the way, the approach, that's really the key. Um, So that extends to the way that we communicate, our media, our modes of communication. Um, That extends to the the actual physical environments that that we exist in, our contexts and situations. It extends to the codes that we use, uh, including language. And uh, uh, in conjunction with media ecology, general semantics is very much about uh, taking a uh, kind of conscious attitude towards the way that we use our language and what we um, take in from the outside world and and then how we act on it.
1: Okay, so give an example, if you would, of, for the layman, kind of how uh, you might use general semantics or how you might think about that when you're employing language uh, in your life.
0: Well, I use it all the time. I mean, certainly part of it is to not take words for granted, to understand that the definitions of words are not something that's handed down from on high, and they don't come from Moses or from God. Uh, They are human inventions, um, that words are tools that are created, um, used for different purposes. And uh, so we don't have to be a slave to them. We can use them as we see fit if we take control of them. Uh, and uh, to really think about how we respond to words and, and to stimuli in general, you know, how we respond to things in our environment um, and, and to do so, I mean, what general semantics tries to get us to do is to not... Uh, employ sort of knee-jerk responses to to things but to really reflect on and uh, on what we're how we're responding our reactions to things to other people to reflect on them to be critical of them and to think about how we evaluate our things in our world how we evaluate our world and and uh, try to do a better job of it
1: Okay, that's a good launching point because what we do on this podcast is kind of explore that very perspective when it comes to success. So how are people defining success? How are they thinking about it? When they use that term, what do they mean and how does that affect you know, what they do and how they live their life and how they set their goals and things like that? So... Talk about that in regards to success and what a general semantics perspective might be able to, um, how it might be able to help someone when they are, you know, choosing things in their life, how they live and everything based on that definition.
0: Well, it's a very good example for general semantics. um, Although... I'll preface it by saying that, uh, you know, when I talk about this in class and say, you know, uh, I'd start by asking how many of you um, have success as one of your goals? Um, And uh, of course, everyone raises their hand and uh, and I point out that, um, you know, this is very much a part of our culture Um, and that it actually would be an act of courage, I say, for someone to say, I don't really care about success because um, it's so much a part of our culture. But given that, you know, let's start with the point that everyone wants to achieve success, that that's our goal. Um, one of the early general semanticists, Wendell Johnson, um, talked about what he called the IFD disease. IFD stands for uh, idealization, frustration, and demoralization. Um, and that this is a process that that occurs uh, when we use kind of high-level abstractions like the word success. So you say, I want to be a success. Uh, it's a very abstract term. Um, and so people go out and they try to achieve success. But what in the world does that mean? And nobody, I shouldn't say nobody, but people largely don't have a clear idea of what it means. Um, and that's what's meant by idealization. It's a term that is so abstract that it's an ideal that we, we never ground in any kind of actual reality. And so you go after it, you try to achieve success, and people, uh, you know, an individual may um, uh, become rich, famous, popular, um, have a, 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 you know, a nice family, and have a, a wonderful house, you know, and all, if you, whatever it is, I have all these achievements, and yet you never really know, well, when, is it that I've achieved this goal of success? And, and, and not knowing leaves you feeling kind of empty. And it's like, I, I still don't know that I've achieved it. I still don't know that I've reached that point. And that's where you go from idealization to frustration and ultimately to demoralization. Because you never know when you've reached that goal. And so you just keep trying and trying and trying. Um, and uh, and that's not very healthy. I mean, Wendell Johnson talked about this as a kind of, you know, if you like, a kind of um, emotional problem, a mental disease in a sense, um, but it's one that is uh, widely shared and and easily remedied. Um, so the response to that is, Operational definitions because general semantics looks to science and not science in the sense of laboratory experiments, but the language of science. Um, so, what scientists do is they use operational definitions, uh, and what that means is that they're specific, concrete definitions, okay. first of all. So, that we say, Okay, what I mean by success is this. And then you can list a bunch of things. You know, if it was just money, you could say, uh, you know, and it becomes easier to ch- turn this over to, okay, success is being rich. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having a million dollars? Is it having mm-hmm. uh, 50 million? Is it having a billion? You know, what, what's the goal here? By specifying a concrete uh, goal that is a goal where you can point to it and say, I've achieved it, and that allows us to know when we've achieved the goal um, by giving it a concrete definition. And so, you know, we can say, I have achieved this, Um, which, by the way, doesn't mean that you have to stop there. You can then define new goals, but it does allow you to pat yourself on the back to feel to recognize your own accomplishment and to get a measure of satisfaction from it rather than feeling frustrated and demoralized. Mm -hmm. So the other part of operational definitions, the word operation suggests it, is that what scientists do, you know, in this sense, then, is to, you don't just say, I am going to use water. You clearly... You, you concretely define what you mean by water. I mean, is it distilled water? Is it pond water? You know, exactly what you mean. But you also define the steps taken to achieve that. Um, and that's the way operationalism works here as well. If you define your goal in concrete terms, then what are the steps you need to achieve it? So let's say, um, it's success as being a rock star, right. um, uh, a dream that many of us had when we were young, <laughs> at least, uh, I don't know if the, the millennials, um, Still feel that way, but uh, certainly for us baby boomers, that's what we uh, many of us wanted to right. be. But what does it mean to be a rock star? Um, if it's to simply record a record album or whatever passes for that now, um, then you can say, okay, that's what's needed. Here are the steps you need to take to achieve that goal. Or if it means performing for a certain size audience, um, you know, again, we can then clearly know when we've achieved that goal but also map out what are the steps I need to achieve that goal. Um, and I will point out that this understanding that comes from general semantics has been adopted by career counselors um, quite generally, um, although they often don't aren't aware uh, that it originates with general semantics. So
1: let me ask the question, Does the operational definition aspect, does that affect the D? Like, I guess that was discomfort. You know, is there any research on that aspect?
0: Well, D is demoralization. Oh, Yeah,
1: demoralization.
0: Well, the uh, operational definitions are a way to prevent the IFD disease uh, to begin with so that you, um, that frustration and demoralization are consequence of idealization. Operational definitions um, prevent us from, from idealizing uh, any given term or any given goal. Um, now, it's not always practical, but, um, you know, when you think about, say, Love is another example that uh, you know people, I want to have love, but you know, um, how often do people get hung up on that, you know, at what is true love and and really idealizing, uh relationships and uh looking for something that's uh some ideal of perfection that uh doesn't exist you know Mm -hmm. so it's an effort to bring us back to ground us in the real world
1: now it sounds as though that sounds similar to like a stoic philosophy when you talk about you know, having realistic expectations or don't expect too much. Does it come out of that philosophical school at all or no?
0: I think you could see the parallels, but uh, I wouldn't say that it really comes out of it. Um, as I said, it it is derived from, I mean, it's an attempt to take scientific method and generalize it to Uh, all of human activity to human relations. Uh, And again, you know, I just really want to stress that it's not science in the way that we think of it. It's not an attempt to sort of dehumanize uh, people, but it is uh, looking at science as a uh, very well developed um, way of understanding the world and understanding ourselves as part of the world and applying it uh, more generally so um I, I think we can find uh sources for that in in many different um kind of older philosophies but um the 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 i mean it really was i mean the, the, the founder of general semantics alfred korzybski was an engineer and and he really was looking for uh, a way to apply a scientific approach uh, to the world because he felt that um, scientists I and mean, you look at progress that the, that the progress that hu- that humanity has made in science and technology has been extraordinary and yet the progress we've made in human relations whether it's politics and international relations or simply Um, You know, relationships uh, on on a person, interpersonal level, um, that that the progress in there, progress in ethics has been very, very slight, um, comparatively speaking. And he asked the question why, uh, and and he felt that this approach that scientists embrace um, was the key. And I wouldn't say it's the answer to everything, but uh, I find it very helpful in a lot of instances.
1: Okay, let me make it a little more personal for the audience. You have a, a long list of accomplishments. By any outsider's perspective in your field, you would be considered incredibly successful. What is your operational definition of success and how does that kind of
0: direct you? Uh, Well, um, you flatter me. Um, And uh, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't think about success that much um, as a concept. I mean, there were um, specific goals along the way the, uh, that started with getting a tenure track position at a university um, and then getting tenure. Um, and, you know, on the other end of it is publishing a book and then publishing another book and uh, uh, starting the Media Ecology Association. um so uh, starting a journal, which was explorations in media ecology. Um, so I tend to look at things as a series of tasks that need to be completed. Um, what becomes, you know, where I kind of run into problems is, you know, in the sense that they're, they're the, t- the tasks multiply and never seem to end. Um, and, and I don't reach all my goals, or I haven't reached all my goals yet. I mean, there, there are... Uh, and in some cases, um, you know, there have been failures or I haven't lived up to what I wanted to uh, to achieve. But, uh, you know, I mean, I knew that um, and either I have to uh, say I'm, this isn't going to happen or, or say I haven't gotten there yet and keep working at it. Um, I'm, I don't know if that's, that's, that that feels very vague to me as an answer. I don't know if that satisfies you.
1: Yeah, it's a different, very different perspective because it's a different way of thinking, I think, that you would typically hear, you know, because most people, it at at least appears on the surface, they're chasing this dream of success rather than um, maybe looking towards substance through, one of the guys that I interviewed said it this way, he said, there's a, there's a pursuit of status rather than a pursuit of substance. And so for you to come on and say, I didn't really look at the end destination as much as I did working through things along the journey. Is that fair to say?
0: Yeah. I mean, I I won't say that status has never entered my mind and, uh, you know, or pride or any of those sorts of things, you know, I wanted, certainly want the respect of peers and, and so forth. And, uh, you know, want to be able to say that I've made, I've accomplished some things and, and hopefully um, some things that will outlive me. Um, but uh, I, I, you know, I think part of it is that, you know, as a baby boomer coming out of, you know, growing up in the 60s, there was this sort of like the sense of go with the flow um, that uh, you know, I was a part of, um, and so a lot of the time, I didn't really think about where I was going or uh, you know what I was trying to achieve specifically. I just you know sort of opened myself, if you like, to what was being asked of me, um, and uh, and tried to oblige as much as, as was possible, um, and. Uh, So I I feel like I'm more like, it's more like the path found me than that I really uh, found the path or or made the path. I I don't know if that makes sense or not.
1: No, no, it does to me at least. So I hope maybe the listeners won't, but at least it makes sense to me. So that's good. Um, Yeah, you know, just,
0: I mean, on that, I mean, I think it's, you know, the, uh, people can spend a lot of time sort of going against the grain or trying to achieve something that uh, that uh, is just not in the cards, you know, I mean, I uh, I would have liked to have been a major league baseball player, um, for example, um, but it was very clear that it, it just was, <laughs> you know, that was not in the cards. I didn't mm-hmm. have that kind of talent. And, uh, you know, and so I didn't try to force the issue. I just, I went, that, that's the idea. Go with the flow. I mean, I went with the directions that opened up, you know, the sort of, the, as they say, the path that rose up to meet my feet.
1: Um, you're a very proficient writer. You write a lot. How do you find motivation?
0: Uh, by committing to, to things, I mean that's the biggest one. Is the uh, you know they say I'm going to do something, or I promise people I'm going to do something. Um, that that's the most the strongest motivation is uh, you know, and I, I try to uh, I I do have a strong sense of obligation. So um, if I say I'm going to do something, um, I, I I wouldn't say that I've uh, never failed to deliver, there have been a few occasions where I just couldn't do it. Um, But I'd say, you know, most of the time, um, when I say I'm going to do something, I do it. Um, And that might be a little bit of an OCD element in my makeup. um, But um, that's probably the biggest piece of it. Um, You know, there are, there's other kind of writing that I've done um as as an outlet um you know, writing poetry was not something i promised anyone but uh you know i um and you know so that would that's it's not writing for uh, out of obligation is not the only source of it but uh but it is a big part of it and i think if i wasn't being forced to my um or didn't put myself in the position where I felt obligated to, uh, I probably would have written, written a lot less than I did.
1: So did you just commit to someone asked you, I need you to write uh, an article for this journal. Okay. I'll do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what happens. Uh, I mean, I'm, I don't, again, I don't always say yes. And, and, I, and, and there's some times where I, I say yes and and can't come through with it, um, but uh, uh, you know, again, I mean, the vast majority of the time, I, I try to, uh, you know, I try to make good on these promises, and uh, and I probably overcommit, um, but uh, you know, that that's what forces uh, the outcome, uh, rather than uh, I've found that there there are some many people who when you ask them, will you do something, their response is, I don't know, I don't think so, I don't think I can do that. Um, and then there are other people who say, you know, yeah, I can do that. I mean, you know, uh, somebody asked me to write on a particular topic, and even if i have never written on it before, I mean, I tend to think, well, that's that would be interesting. I mean, I, I can do that. Um, it's it's hard once I get started, but it's great once I'm done with it. And uh uh i was just reading something the, and it's very much to the point where they're saying that uh they're criticizing was a comp about teaching composition and the the person was criticizing the idea that you have an idea of what you want to write about and then you write about it because writing is how you know what you think <laughs> it's how you learn what you think and, and for me that's that's like one of the great Motivators is that process of discovery. It's what comes out of it um, that you don't know is going to happen until you sit down and write, and and that's that is such a payoff for me.
1: Well, that's pretty cool. Um, I don't want to take too much of your time here. You've been incredible, and I think a lot of value. Uh, I've learned a ton, and I appreciate your time. Uh, so, if you would just tell our listeners what you're working on now and maybe where they can connect with you. If you're on, I don't know if you're on social media or any of that stuff, or they can follow anything, but, uh, I know you have a blog, so maybe we can talk about that a little bit.
0: Well, I have a blog. On it's, uh, you know, I, um, started it about 10 years ago and I didn't even, you know, it was a colleague of mine, uh, said, you know, you should start a blog. And I said, I didn't even know what for, but, uh, okay. Um, so it's called Lance straights blog time passing. And, uh, and, and I've not so great about it anymore. I mean, sometimes I post a lot and sometimes not so much, but, uh, um, it, that's not bad. And, uh, and it it actually helps me sometimes to get material that I use later on. Um, and, you know, I'm on all the regular social media, you know, Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, and I, to have a YouTube channel, not that I do all that much with it, but, uh, you know, I got some stuff on there. Uh, Google plus.
1: Are you, are you working on another book now? You just tell what you just recently published and what, if you're working on something else.
0: Well, just, uh, this past July, um, my newest book was published. It's called media ecology, an approach to understanding the human condition um, so I'm very proud of that. And I hope, uh, folks will buy, pi- buy a copy. It's published by Peter Lang, but I'm available through, you know, all the usual suspects. Let's not give them any plugs, you know, you know where to find it. I mean, it's on target. Can you believe that? They said I am looking at it, you know, I mean, it's there on all, all the regular booksellers I see target target oh, is listing it. Well, that's cool, I guess. Um, but, uh, And I've been working with the New York Society for General Semantics. Um, I organize uh, sessions, uh, program sessions in in New York City uh, for that group. Um, And uh, so you have some fun with that. I mean, I'm also a trustee of the Institute of General Semantics. So, uh, you know, I recommend checking out both of those organizations. And if, you, if you're in New York, you know, you can uh, come to, I mean, you go to the New York Society for General Semantics website and you can subscribe and come to events. Uh, we really have some very nice events going on. Um, Even if you're not, there are resources available from that website and also from the Institute of General Semantics website. Um, And uh, a few months ago, I took over um, as as editor of Explorations in Media Ecology, the journal of the Media Ecology Association. Um, It's a journal that I started. Um, and, and that was sort of like a sudden thing where the person who was supposed to be the new editor uh, was unable to, uh, to actually do the work or, did, you know, uh, do the job. Um, so I said that I would uh, return and, uh, and, and uh, work on that. So uh, that's another kind of big project that's going on. Uh, right now, um, and uh, I have other book projects in the work, works. Um, one that I've been slow on um, is a book on cyber time, you know, which is about time and technology. Um, that's, that's been in the works, and uh, I, um, I'm looking uh, to uh, get more work done on that over the coming year. Um, an, another thing that I've been wanting to do is I've published one book of poetry, but I have a lot, a lot of more material, and I've been wanting to put together um, the next uh, poetry collection for publication uh, as well. Um, and then there's like a multitude of other things, some things I probably forgot about that I agree to that I'll get reminded about uh, a little later on, like where's this article or where's that <laughs> uh, thing. And, and I'll say, okay, you know, and, and uh, come up with that.
1: Good. Well, thanks so much for being on the program, and It's been really great talking to you.
0: My pleasure, Jeff. Uh, good luck with, with this podcast and, and with all your other work.
1: All right. What a fascinating interview with Dr. Lance Strait. And I want to give you my top takeaways and the things that I learned. And there was a ton of them from speaking with him. First of all, a lot of success is related to how we define it. And from a general semantics perspective, This has to do with creating an operational definition. And what that means is defining success in a realistic way so that it's not something that is a generalization or an abstraction, but it's something that we can actually pursue. It's a realistic goal that we can try to find a way to accomplish in our life. And so the importance of that is so that we're not chasing something that we have no idea what it is. And then when we get there, we're not even aware that we've made it. So finding a way through operational definitions to define what we're looking for when we talk about success. And again, that can be different for different people. And all of us define that in different ways. The important thing is finding out how to define it for ourselves. The second thing that I thought that was interesting was IFD disease. IFD disease deals with idealization, frustration, and demoralization. And you know what? I bet you if we were to look inward at ourselves, we might find that we're experiencing that disease more often than we would care to admit. We have idealistic expectations of things rather than realistic expectations of things. And those idealistic expectations can lead to frustration and demoralization. And so really it's about setting our expectations in a realistic way. Uh, that way we can think about ways to reach those and accomplish those goals and tasks that aren't way out there in the atmosphere and something that we can never attain. And the third thing that I learned was how to accomplish more. So Lance has written a ton of, of books and articles. And if you go look up on Google Scholar Landstrate, you will see all of the things he's written. You ask yourself the question, how in the world did he find the time to do it? And what he said was, I committed myself. I said yes when someone asked me to do something. And you know what? Sometimes saying yes will leverage uh, the psychological power of our obligation to someone else and will allow us to do things that maybe we wouldn't typically do if we hadn't committed ourselves. And so making commitment to do something, obligating yourself to your commitment and to other people can really help you to accomplish things that maybe you never thought you could accomplish. And so the next time someone asks you to do something that you may feel is a little bit outside of your comfort zone. Let me encourage you, say yes. Well, that's all we have time for today. I want to thank you so much for listening. Uh, this has been a wonderful opportunity for me, and I hope you've learned a ton from it as well. Again, the show notes for this program are located at mindforlife.org forward slash 022. You can click on over there and check them all out. You can also sign up for our weekly personal development newsletter, uh, right there on that page. And so, uh, we would encourage you to do that. Finally, click on over to iTunes. And if you would, please hit subscribe. And while you're there, leave a rating and review this podcast. I read all of those and I want to make this the absolute best it can be for you and for your development and growth. Thanks again for listening. And we'll talk to you next time.